stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insight and understanding from the Word of God. Here's Rick. Welcome to today's program. Today, we're finally going to get to the subject of the Antichrist. What does the Bible say about the Antichrist? Hold on to your seat because today and tomorrow, we're going to really open the scriptures to see what the Bible says about the Antichrist. I know that Jesus is coming, but after Jesus comes for the church, immediately the Antichrist will step onto the world stage. And the Bible tells us about him because we need to know what's coming in the future. But first, I want to say thank you for being our partner. You really help us. We believe Proverbs 10, 21, which says the lips of the righteous feed many. And we believe it is our assignment to feed as many people as possible the Word of God. I can do the teaching. I can do the preparation. We can do all the editing and all the production of the TV program. The partners help pay the bills so that we can take this ministry to people all over the planet. And we don't just send the teaching. We take phone calls. We take letters. We really minister to people. And when you become a partner with our ministry, you join us in this task. I'm always amazed when I think that right from the comfort of your home without ever leaving your chair, just by calling or by going online, you can become a partner and by giving every month, you can make a difference in someone else's life. We all need to be making a difference in the life of somebody else. You know, so many times we're thinking about what we need. We need to do something for someone else. And when you become a partner with us, you help us change a life somewhere in the world. And when you become a partner, we immediately send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone. That's not a prophecy to our partners. You're probably already in a combat zone. This book was written to help you know how to survive and thrive in any situation in life, and it's dedicated to partners. So when somebody becomes a partner, we always send them this book along with Denise's book, which is called The Gift of Forgiveness. Both of these are our gift that we send you as our way of saying welcome to our partner family. And I want to tell you that if you need prayer, we're here for you. Please call us or send us an email. We'll immediately begin to put our faith together with you. And remember that right now we are offering you my series, which is called The Coming of the Antichrist. It's 10 parts. It comes in multiple formats with a study guide. My friend, I hope you finally understand I like my study guides. These study guides are like a banquet. The table is loaded. When you pull the chair up and open these study guides, all the points, all the principles, all the Greek words that are in these programs are in these study guides. And when you have the study guide and the teaching together, it is just dynamite. Also, right now, we're offering you my book, brand new book, just released this week officially. And the book is called Last Day's Survival Guide. The foreword is written by Perry Stone, such a good Bible teacher. And... It's called a scriptural handbook to prepare you for these perilous times. Do you feel like we're living in perilous times? Well, we are. And we need to know what the Bible says about it. And the reason that I have a Bible and boots on the cover is because we need to grab our Bible and our boots and get ready to stomp through this end time territory in victory. 
And that's why I wrote this book. Jesus wants you to have the victory. He wants you to thrive. My friend, you are anointed for the times that we're living in. Don't be like so many who say, oh me, oh my, what's happening everywhere we look? Seems like things have gone berserk. Well, just grab the anointing and say, you know what? God chose me for this time and I can do it and order the study guide. Because I'm the survival guide because this survival guide will help you know how to stomp through these times in the victory that Jesus wants you to enjoy. Wow. So order your copy right now. You can just go online or call us to order your copy today. You should order several because I know you're going to want to share this with a friend. But reach for your Bible because today we are going to return to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I have my Bible and I have my notes. Are you ready? Let's go back to where we left off yesterday. We're going to begin again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, and today we're going to go all the way through verse 3. But let's begin again in verse 1, where Paul says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, by our gathering together unto him, verse 2, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us that the day of Christ is at hand. And I want to set the stage for you again. Someone was really putting fear and alarm into the heart of believers in Thessalonica. These were young believers. They were not very established in the Bible because they were young in their faith. And someone was inappropriately teaching prophetic verses. And they were actually saying, hey guys, the rapture came and you missed it, you are a tribulation saint. And it just was upsetting them. Well, that would upset you too. If you were waiting for the rapture and then somebody notable said, you've missed the rapture, now you're in the tribulation, that would upset you. And that's what someone was saying to them. So now Paul writes to them and begins to set matters straight. And in verse 1, he says, now we beseech you. This word beseech, I told you yesterday, is the Greek word ereteo, which describes someone with a preferred position who gives a command. They expect to be heard, and they expect it to be obeyed. So now Paul is really pulling rank. It's like he's stepping in. He's exercising the voice of a commander. He's the one that started this church. And now from his preferred position, he's saying, hey, guys, I'm making a request and I expect you to hear me, and I expect you to obey what I'm about to say. That's really what it means. He says, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Yesterday we saw the word coming is the Greek word parousia, and I explained to you yesterday, I want to tell you again today, the word parousia technically can, it can describe the second coming at the end of the seven-year tribulation. However, Paul, from time to time, uses it interchangeably also to describe the rapture. So you always have to translate the word parousia in the context of how it is used. And in this verse, it's not talking about the end of the tribulation. It's talking about the rapture at the end of the church age. We know that because of the next statement. Listen to what he says. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the parousia, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wait a minute, I have to say something else. This word parousia, I want to read to you from, directly from my notes, indicates a strong presence of God will be felt when Jesus returns to gather the church to himself. I just have to tell you that, friend, because people often say, well, Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. 
Well, it's going to be like a thief in the night for those that are in darkness. But for us who are in the light, it's not going to be a surprise. In fact, the way the word parousia is used in this verse implies there will be a general sense. There will be such a sense of the presence of God that we'll know it's time for the rapture. I can just hear us saying one to another, can you feel that? Hey, I feel something. Do you feel something? Almost like metal that is attracted to a magnet, our spirits will begin to stand to attention as the Lord begins to descend. The Holy Spirit in us attracted to the Lord, there will be such a sense of connection. We will know there will be a general sense of the presence of God that will awaken us to the fact that the rapture is about to take place. Amen. Jesus never takes his people by surprise. But wait. It says, and by our gathering together unto him, gathering together is how we know this word, parousia, in this verse refers to the rapture, because the words gathering together as used in this verse depicts that moment in the future when God will finally and quickly gather his people to himself at the end of the age. It's talking about the rapture of the church. Wow. And I would translate verse 1 like this. Here's the RIV. Brothers, listen carefully, for I'm asking you in the strongest of terms to hear what I'm about to say and to do exactly what I'm asking you to do. The appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ is very near. The moment we have all longed and waited for is almost upon us. I'm talking about that moment when Jesus will finally gather us together for himself. Then we come to verse 2. The King James says that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. We saw this word shaken is very important. It means to totter, to waver, to be moved. But Paul says, be not soon shaken. The word soon means something that is abrupt or something that is quick. You could translate it, do not be abruptly moved or easily moved or easily shaken. However, the word shaken points to events that cause shock or alarm. And these events are happening over and over and over. These are repeated events so unexpected that it results in shock or distress or it depicts worry and inward anxiety resulting from outward events that keep occurring repeatedly. It is as if there is no pause between shocking, debilitating, nerve-wracking happenings. And one scholar has translated this as jumpiness or nervousness. Does that describe what you have felt or others whom you know? They're just jumpy, nervous just really nerve-wracked because of all the things they're seeing and hearing. They might even say, will there ever be an end to all these events? It seems like we're just being plummeted from every side in the world today. Well, welcome to the end of the age. That agrees with Matthew 24, verse 8, where Jesus says at the end of the age, the world will be like a woman in contractions about to give birth to a baby, just like a woman has labor pains. And the contractions begin to get harder and harder and closer and closer till nearly it's one on top of the next. And finally, the baby is born. Jesus clearly said at the end of the age, the world will go into contractions. And at first, they'll be spaced apart. But as time goes by, they'll be one closer to the next and to the next and to the next to the next until finally people are nearly numbed by it all because they're just all compounded one on top of the next. That is a signal that one age is about to end. And another age is about to begin. The church age is about to end. 
The seven-year tribulation is about to begin, but in between the two will be the rapture of the church. Amen. But he says, be not shaken in mind. The word mind, the word noose, which describes your mind, your intellect, your emotions. Paul is literally saying, get a grip on your mind and do not be troubled. The word troubled means to be thrown into a state of anxiety or fright. He says, neither by spirit. I told you in the last program that in Greek, this really describes spiritual utterances that are out of sync with the teaching in the Bible. Mm. Some translate it euphoric revelations. It refers to strange utterances or weird revelations. Or here Paul is referring to those people who in Thessalonica were teaching prophecy in a way to scare people. And Paul says, don't listen to bizarre revelations that are not founded in the Word of God. Your brain is your brain, so keep a grip on your head. Don't be moved in your mind. My friends, when you know what the Bible teaches, then you're not easily moved by a lot of nonsense. Then he goes on to say, neither by spirit nor by a word. I really like this. In Greek it says dialogo not by rumor. Today people are saying, have you heard? Did you hear? Did you hear what this person said? Rick, have you, have you heard this? Let me send you a link. I want you to hear this. You know, there's so much to hear today. You can't believe everything you hear. And if you believe everything you hear, you're going to be torn up all the time because there's a jillion conspiracy theories out there about the mark of the beast and the end of the age and this president and that president and the real source of this disease and that riot. There are so many conspiracies. It'll just keep you torn up all the time. Keep your eyes on the Bible. Keep your ears open to the Holy Spirit. Don't believe every weird prophetic revelation you hear and every rumor that is repeated to you. And Paul says, or by letter as from us that the day of Christ is at hand. He said, hey, keep your head on straight about end time events. My friends, this is really relevant for you and for me. And I would translate verse 2 like this. Here's the RIV of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. Now, it's long. This is an interpretive version. So listen to this, because this really is the full meaning of all these Greek words. Some things will be happening right before his coming that could shake you up quite a bit. I'm referring to events that will be so dramatic that they could leave your head spinning occurrences of such a serious nature that many people will end up feeling alarmed, panicked, intimidated, and unnerved. Naturally speaking, these events could put your nerves on edge and make you feel apprehensive and insecure. How I wish I could tell you that these incidents were going to just be a one-shot deal. But when they finally get rolling, they're going to keep coming and coming one after another. That's why you have to determine not to be shaken or moved by anything you see or hear. You need to get a grip on your mind and refuse to allow yourself to be traumatized by these events. If you let these things get to you, it won't be too long until you're a nervous wreck. That's why you have to decide beforehand that you're not going to give in and allow fright to penetrate its way into your mind and emotions until it runs your whole life.
I also want to tell you not to be too surprised if people start making weird spiritual proclamations and off-the-wall utterances during the time just before the Lord comes. All kinds of strange things are going to happen during those days. It's going to get so bizarre that you might even receive a letter from some person who claims the day of the Lord is already coming. Who knows? They might even attach our name to it, alleging to have our endorsement, or they might even send it as if it was written and sent from us. That's what Paul said in the first century. Look how much more relevant it is for our time. But then when you come to verse 2, verse 3, Paul continues and says, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of son be revealed, the son of perdition. In verse 3, he says, that day shall not come. That day is the same day he's talking about in verse 1. Verse one. He's talking about the rapture of the church. He says, before the rapture of the church takes place, and before ultimately the man of sin, the son of perdition, the Antichrist can be revealed, something else has to happen first. In fact, in this verse, he says, there will come a falling away first. The word first, the Greek word proton. This word first means first in order, in first place, first in order, first in sequence. This has to occur first. And here Paul is prophesying a great apostasy is going to happen, not just in the church, but in the world at large. Stay with me. Let's continue in this verse. Let's begin at the very first of verse 3. He says, let no man. In Greek, it is so strong this should be considered a strong prohibition, sternly and strongly ordering every reader to reject some type of activity. Let no man, absolutely no man, deceive you. And this word deceive is not the word planeo, which normally would be used, but here it is a Greek word which means to cheat. Let no man cheat you. Could be translated seduce. It means to take advantage of by trickery, to deceive by giving distorted impressions, to lure one into deception, using any means to promote delusional thinking and delusional believing. And here he's talking about people who really may be very sincere, but they're trying to teach prophecy or trying to teach end time events, but they don't have a foundation for it. And so they end up teaching delusional information that tricks people and steals them of their joy, steals them of their peace. Paul says, don't let anybody lead you astray with delusional information. Keep your head on straight. We already know that's what he said in verse 2. But now in verse 3, he says, let no man, emphatically, no man, no, not anyone deceive you by any means. By any means in Greek in our day would be better translated, don't give them an inch. Don't let them deceive you in any way, not in any fashion. For that day, the rapture of the church shall not come except first a falling away comes first. What does the words falling away mean? Well, it is the Greek word apostasia. Now, some people have tried to convolute this word to mean the rapture of the church. It is not the rapture of the church. The word apostasia emphatically, historically, always describes a mutinous attitude or a rebellion. Those who try to convolute this into the rapture of the church just don't know Greek. This word describes a mutinous attitude 
or describes a rebellious attitude or a general turning away from God. We find this word used exactly like that in Joshua 22, verse 22, where it describes rebellion, rebellion against God. So you could translate this, a rebellion will come first. The word predicts a worldwide mutiny. It really is the word mutiny, mutiny against God that will occur at the very, very end of the last days. It points to a change in society's attitude toward God. And the Bible says this has to occur first, and then the man of sin will be revealed. Why does this have to occur first? Because, for example, when you and I were growing up, let's say 50 years ago, 60 years ago, the world was a different place. If the Antichrist had tried to be introduced at that time, it would have never worked because the world would have recognized him. The world was Bible-based. The world had knowledge. The Bible would have absolutely stood against him. But as time has gone by, and you're going to continue to see in 2 Thessalonians Chapter 2, a secret plan has been in operation to modify the world. Today, the world does not know the Bible as it once did. Today, the world is no longer Bible-based. In fact, today, we were living in a world that is very, very different from the one that we grew up in. You know that. And a plan of modification has been taking place. And guess what? There today exists in the world a mutinous attitude toward God, apostasia, where the world has said, we're not going that way anymore. We're going to frame a new world with new morals. We're not going to live with the old, outdated morals. We're going to form a new world, frame a new moral code. We're going to live by a new way of thinking, and we're no longer going to live like the old primitive fuddy-duddies of the past. We're breaking free of all of that. This is a new day, a new time. And guess what? It becomes then a lawless world. Well, lawless in Greek is the word anomia. The word nomos is the Greek word for law. You put an A on the front. It means to shuck off laws or to shuck off standards, to throw off old trends, old traditions, old ways, old modes. The world today has thrown off everything that it used to live by, and it now is fashioning a new world for itself. And when the world becomes lawless or mutinous, that's really what this word describes, then it will be ready to receive the man of sin. That's what this verse says. And then that man of sin will be revealed. The word sin that is used here is not the word hamartia, which is the normal word for sin, but guess what? It is the word anomia. It is the man of lawlessness. The man of lawlessness. And what we find is a lawless world will be primed, prepared to receive a man of lawlessness. They will be so lawless as a people, so mutinous in their attitude toward God, that when the man of sin appears, they will embrace him as an answer. A lawless people will embrace a man of lawlessness. Paul says that whole situation has to emerge in the world first before the man of sin can be revealed. And Paul says then he will be revealed. The word revealed, the Greek word apokalupsis. The word apokalupsis, wow. Here's what it means. What is behind the veil can no longer be concealed or hidden from private or public view. It will step onto the stage and the Bible says he will be the son of 
perdition. The word perdition, the Greek word apaleia, describes something that is doomed, something that is rotten, ruinous, or decaying. It is the very same Greek word we would use to describe meat that is filled with maggots. The maggots have just eaten through the meat. It's stinking. The stench is so terrible. And here the Bible tells us that the man of sin, the Antichrist, who will portray himself as the leader of the new world order, a new frame of thinking, leading the way into the future, a progressive thinker. In fact, everything he touches will be doomed. Everything he touches will be filled with decay and rottenness. He is the one spiritually filled with maggots, and everything he touches will be filled with perdition. And I would translate verse 3 like this. In light of these things, I urge you to refuse anyone to take advantage of you. For example, you won't need a letter to tell you that the day of the Lord has come. You ought to know by now that this day can't come until first a worldwide insurgency, rebellion, riot, and mutiny against God has come about in society. Once that occurs, the world will be primed, prepared, and ready to embrace the man of lawlessness, the one who hates law and has rebellion running in his blood. This is the long-awaited and predicted son of doom and destruction, the one who brings rot and ruin to everything he touches. When the time is just right, he will finally come out of hiding and go public. That is a great translation of verse 3. Well, when is that moment when he's going to come out of hiding and go public? That's what we're going to see in the next program. Don't miss it. We're out of time. I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. People often talk about the coming of Jesus, but once Jesus has raptured the church, the Bible says the Antichrist will be revealed to the world. In one split second, the Antichrist will come out of hiding and go public. In the 10-part series, The Coming of the Antichrist, Rick Renner delves into this end-time subject like you've never heard it before. Based on 1 Thessalonians, Rick explores verses that can be difficult making them easy to understand. Since we are living in the end of the ages, we need to know what is coming in the near future. If you are interested in what the Bible says about the future, then this is one series you need to digest. Rick answers, who is the Antichrist? What will he be like when he shows up? When will he be revealed to the world? What is stopping him from being revealed right now? Available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $20, you'll be so glad you invested in this powerful series. In addition, you can order Rick Renner's book, Last Day Survival Guide. This spectacular book will awaken you to the times we are living in and will equip you to sail through these times successfully. We are in the last days. You and I need to know how to thrive in this last days environment. This is one book you must have. Right now, you can get Last Day Survival Guide for just $25 wherever books are sold, in stores and online, or by going to renner.org. Don't delay ordering your copy today, and don't miss this powerful teaching series. Call the number on your screen now, or go online to order. I don't know about you, but I feel like I am flying through these verses that we're covering this week in our programs. That's why I want you to order the full series, which is called The Coming of the Antichrist. It's 10 parts. comes in multiple formats with a tremendous study guide. Order these together or buy them as a gift for somebody else who loves the Bible.
They will love it. And I also want you to order my brand new book, which is called Last Days Survival Guide, a scriptural handbook to prepare you for these perilous times. The foreword is written by Perry Stone. You will love this book. On the cover, there's a Bible and boots. We need to grab our Bible and our boots, my friend, you and me and the church. We're going to stomp through these times in victory with the word of God. I speak it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. But remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power. Let God's word be released in your life today, and you'll enjoy its power. And I'll see you in the next program. Rick Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity. 